0: Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at LighthouseChurchNC or online at LighthouseChurchNC.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the Dream Team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoy today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Y'all ready? Let me get a good amen if you're ready. All right. Now I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Somebody say my church. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. All right. So, so who, is, who does the church belong to? Okay. I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you lock on earth, or what other translations say, whatever you bind on earth will be locked in heaven, will be bound in heaven, and whatever you open on earth will be opened in heaven. Some scriptures say, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so today, I wanna to talk to you, to you about this very challenging topic of questioning the church. Questioning the church. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray because I'm sure need the Holy Ghost to help me on this one. And let's get into it. Amen? Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you, God, for your spirit that's been moving in this room. Your presence that we felt through our worship. We felt it, Lord God, really from the moment we've walked through these doors. And now, Lord God, I pray that you would just allow your grace to cover me and to touch me at this moment to talk about this difficult subject, Father. I pray that your anointing cover me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, Lord. But I also pray that our hearts would be open, our Minds would be open and that we would be willing to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated questioning the church. Now, the question that we got on our social media was this When I question the church, does that make me a strong believer or does that make me a bad follower? When I question the church, does that make me a strong believer or a bad follower? The first thing that you need to know and the first thing that I want you to write down is the church is people, not a building. The church is people, not a building. A building. Now I know in, in in this context, in this American Western context that 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 we all live in and that we reside in, um, the church is synonymous with the building. Y'all get that? A lot of times, are you going to church? And and sometimes we use church as in that is the worship service in and of itself. We use church as in the actual building. But the church has never been a building. The church has always been the people of god the church has always been people who profess jesus as lord and savior of their life now this all begins to unpack in matthew chapter 16 because in matthew chapter 16 this is the first time that we read this word church used anywhere in the bible it's here in matthew Chapter 16. And so I want to start here with it because what happens here is Jesus lines up all of his disciples. He's got his followers with him. and begins to ask them, hey, who do you guys think I am? Because when he first came to his disciples, he appeared to them as a rabbi. Everybody say rabbi. He appeared as a rabbi. The son of a carpenter born in a fishing town. And, and so he, he, he first appears to them this way. But over time, they're realizing, I think this guy's more than just a rabbi. Because he's doing what other rabbis couldn't do. He's making the deaf to hear. He's making the blind to see. He raised the dead man out of the grave. So he begins to prod them and he asks you, he asks them, who do you think I am? And they they began by saying what other people thought. And then he says, no, 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 no. But, but who do you say that I am? And then one of the disciples named Peter, who is also the most vocal of the bunch. Anybody got a real vocal friend? Some of you are that vocal friend. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that, that was Peter. Think about that vocal friend, the one that always has to be the loudest conversation in the room. That's Peter. And so Peter speaks up and he says, I'm going to quote King James because that's how I learned it. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he basically says, you're the Messiah that we the Jews have been waiting for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And Jesus affirms what he says. And then he says, upon this rock, that rock meaning that confession that Jesus is the Messiah, he says I will build my church. Now the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Can you say ecclesia? You just learned your first Greek word. Give yourselves a round of applause. You just spoke Greek today. Let's all go to Zorba's after church. Ecclesia to and that word literally means to call out or the called out ones it's 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 the conjugation of two two greek words ek which means to call and kaleo which means to call aloud and so ecclesia that's all it means it means the called out ones the church does not mean the religious folks the church does not mean people who got all their stuff together the church is not a bunch of people that got a lot of material blessings that's not the church The church is just simply people who have been called out. So they were people who were originally from this Jewish faith that had been called out of that faith because they saw something in Jesus that Jewish faith could never demonstrate. They saw something in the person of Jesus that no amount of following the law could ever produce. And, and, and so Jesus says, you are my church. He says, I'm going to build my church. And when I build my church, the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against it. So some things that we learn about this is number one, it's his church. He says, I will build my church. It, it's, it's not Pastor Josh's church. It's not. It's not even your church. You're a participant of his church. You are part of his church, but the church is really his church he says it's it's my church that that that's why <laughs> i i don't want to get political but but that's why i don't get too freaked out when when politics is trying to impose on the church because it's not my obligation to defend the church because the church belongs to jesus jesus can do more for the church than i could ever do so some things is just saying god this is your church when we got ready to launch Lighthouse Church in North County, and we weren't sure if we'd even have enough money to pay the bills, if I can be transparent with you all, I didn't, I didn't get on my knees and worry. I got on my knees and said, hey, God, this is your church. This is your church. You're, you got to pay the bills, all right? You're going to pay the rent. You're going to take care of all that. And can I tell you that God has been more than good? Can I tell you that God has been just more than good? I got... Uh, I, I'm, I'm a numbers guy I have a business background and, and, and last month as a church we had our highest giving month ever give yourselves a round of applause I mean at my little calculations we like exceeded our budget by 72 that's, that's, percent that's bananas you, again give yourselves a round of applause you guys are incredible it's his church but not only that it's his idea did you catch that it's it's his idea it's not my idea and i'm going to unpack that in a little bit later in the sermon but the church is his idea and 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 furthermore he said the church is unstoppable come on somebody jesus said that i'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against it how many know that you are part of a powerful church how many of you know that you are part of an unstoppable church? Not because we think so, but because he said so. So I, wa- I want to give you that context, okay? Because that's what the church is. If, if you're going to ask the question, is it okay to question the church? Well, let's first establish, what is the church, all right? So we got what the church is? Now, 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 Let, let's get historical here. Next thing that I want you to write down. We wouldn't be here today had someone not questioned the church. We would not be here today had someone not questioned the church. And so let me take you back to the 1500s. In 1517, a German professor of theology whose name was Martin Luther, he proposed an academic discussion to all of his peers that questioned the practices of the church at that time. At that time, the church universal was the catholic church and martin luther said yo we're doing a lot of things in the church that i don't find in this book we're doing a lot of things in this church that that don't really line up with the scriptures and so what he did on October 31st was he penned out an academic discussion also known as the 95-point the, the thesis. And he went to the doors of the, 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 the structural church and he hammered this 95-point thesis right to the doors of the church. And in particular, he particularly took issue with um, the practice of indulgences. And what the, the, the Catholic practice of indulgences was, get this, this is going to really show you why it's okay to question the church. The practice of indulgences was people could monetarily pay to have the punishment for their sins reduced. That was called the practice of indulgences. And so think about that for a second. If you were rich, rich, the church was basically saying, give us your money and your penalty for sin will be reduced. But imagine if you had no money. I and mean, imagine if you didn't have money to pay. It was like, nope, sorry, you're going to have to pay for all your sins. And there's no getting out of this. Martin Luther said, um, excuse me, and I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say it this, but this is in my head how it went down. He's like, yo, that ain't in the Bible. That ain't in the Bible. You can't pay to be saved, which is what the church was teaching at that time. If you pay a certain amount of money, your sins could be forgiven. And Martin Luther said, that's, that's not what I read. Salvation is only by grace through faith. Salvation is only by grace through faith. And so he questioned the church at that time. And so on October 31st, uh, before it was uh, another holiday, a lot of people know it now as Reformation Day. Because that was the day that the Protestant church was born. We are a Protestant church by classification. Protestant means to protest against the practices of the Catholic church at that time. So Protestantism, to be a Protestant, was to protest against the practices of the church, which they had gone so far from the Scriptures. Trust me when I tell you, at heart and soul, I ain't collecting any money for your sins. All right? Um, that, that, that's, not, that's not where we are as a church. That's, that's, not, that's not what the Scriptures teach. And so what I want you to know is that is it okay to question the church? It is absolutely okay to speak up when something is not right. And so Martin Luther saw something, and he said, this is not right. And he spoke up. He said something. And, and we are here today because someone said something. Isn't that cool? We're here today because someone said something. Now, I want to, I want to, there's your answer, if you will. But, but let me unpack a little more of that, some of the things that we teach to our team here. And, and I think this is really going to help you when it comes to questioning the church. So it's okay to speak up when something is right is not right. But there's a way in which we do that. There's a way in which you can and should speak up. And I want to teach it to you. This is something that we teach to everyone on our dream team. And and it's, it's, it's this. It's okay to think critically, but it is not okay to be critical. It is okay to think critically, but it is not okay to be critical. Are you guys catching the difference of the two? To be critical of something is to not have anything good to say about it. To be critical of something is to tear down something. But to think critically is to say, hey, can we have a conversation about this? And let's, I want to think critically about this and have a conversation about this and this is the way we as a church and this is the way we as a team unpack ways at getting better because one of our values as a church is that we want to pursue excellence can you say pursue excellence We always want to pursue excellence as a church. Let me read to you a scripture. Let's get that on the screen. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts. Paul said this, and he goes, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. The reason we pursue excellence is even Paul, when he was talking to the church in Corinth, he said, I see what you all are doing, but can I show you a more excellent way? Can, can I show you a better way? Can I, can I show you a way of doing things that would, would help a little more? You know those act of kindness cards that, that we showed everyone? The reason, do you remember back in the day when people would give you a track? I, I made light of it, but that's really how we, we used to do it, right? We stand in the corner with a bullhorn and hand out a track that says, If God came today, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? It was really in your face. And we found there's probably a more excellent way to do it. We want to pursue excellence as a church. And in order to pursue excellence as a church, you have to have a conversation where we have to think critically about things. Are we doing it the best way? Is this the right way to do it? Is there a better way to do it? But in all of that, another value of our church is that we always choose joy. Can you say choose joy? Choose joy. We always choose joy. Proverbs 15.4 says, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy, negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. That's what, that's what being critical does. When you are critical, you speak unhealthy, negative words, and all you're doing is crushing people's hopes. That's all you're doing when you speak negatively. That's all you're doing when you're being critical. And so to think critically is to have a conversation, discussion of, is there a better way that we should be doing it? Is there a better way that we can do things? But to be critical is to not face the issue, go home, and when you're having lunch, start talking about how jacked up Lighthouse is. That's being critical. And, and, and those things never produce fruit now i gave you a couple of our values if you want to know more about our values right after church today i want you to go to growth track because today is step one of growth track where we unpack all the values of the church and i'll be giving growth track today if if, if you're wondering like what is growth track i've heard about it that's the front door to the church so right after service we're gonna have some lunch for you we're gonna have some lunch for your kids we will feed your kids but if you want to know more about this church and become a member of the church and join this church go to growth track today because i gave you two of our four values right now and, and because I, I gave you those values to let you know that it is okay to question the church as long as you're doing it the right way. As long as the intent is right. Now, let, let me unpack this a little more. People will typically question two things in the church. Number one, the leadership of the church. And number two, the application of scripture. You tracking with me so far? People will typically criticize the church or be critical of the church in those two areas. Either the leadership of the church or the application of scriptures. Let me let me let me pull on that. You you guys are tracking with me so far. I want to go a little further down that trail. The application of scriptures. Every single church, every single church is taking that they are doing their best to take this scriptures and apply it to their context. Because the Bible, you got to get this. The Bible is not a Western document. The Bible derived from the Middle East. Okay, it is an ancient eastern document that we have tried to take that thing and apply it to a western context jesus was not white with blonde hair and blue eyes okay that might have been the depiction of him that we've seen but i mean there was very few of those at that time in that region of the world and so there's a, in that application of scripture sometimes things don't go the way or things got lost or, or the, people did the best they could to apply scripture and I, I i don't have enough time in this sermon to break down how application of scripture should always be done but can i give you a quick filter Can I give you a quick filter of applying scripture? I call it the description versus prescription test. Description versus prescription. Because many times we see something in the Bible. And and I love it when I hear people say this. You'll never find that in the Bible. You'll never find anyone using the internet on the Bible either. doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right? That was a joke. You're like, really? Because I hear that lots of times. I remember one time at our church, we were having Baptism Sunday. And we're a portable church. I'm talking about uh, our our South Campus. And someone said, you'll never find a baptism Sunday in the Bible. I'm thinking like, really? What? Jesus like rode on a mule. I don't see you riding a mule in the church. But people will do that. Things that are meant to be descriptions, we want to make them prescriptions. And I remember engaging this person because I happened to know him. It wasn't someone thinking critically. It was someone being critical. And I said, hey, bro, just so you know, we're out of school. There's no baptistry in the school. So when we're going to baptize people, there's a lot of logistics that need to happen. There's a lot of coordination. We got to bring a tub in. We got to fill that sucker up with water. We got to and I explained, we're not at a church with a baptistry that has 24/7 water in it. But when someone's thinking critical, they can say, "Well, there's no baptism Sunday in the Bible." I get that. But not every test is they never did that in the Bible because it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. If that's your only test, then you're failing to see prescription versus description. And so as you look at the scriptures, you have to ask yourself, is this a prescription or is this a description? Prescription, be faithful to your wife. That was not a description. That's like a prescription, all right? That's like, you need to be faithful, all right? You need to have one spouse. That's prescription. I should have gotten a louder amen from the men on that one. That's prescription. But there are other parts of the Bible that are description. They had to do it that way for that time. And so you can't simply take scriptures and say, well, we should do it this way because that's a very slippery slope if we only do it the way the Bible did it. And so you have to apply the scriptures. And again, I can't break it all down for you, but that's a really good starting place right there. Was this description or was this prescription? A lot of the stuff that we read in the epistles was description, not prescription. And a lot of churches get that wrong, especially in the book of Corinthians. Did you know the book of Corinthians, first and second letter of Corinthians? Paul didn't sit down in a jail cell and say, I've got something to say to the Corinthian church. No, no, no. First and second Corinthians were actually responses to a letter that he received where they asked him a bunch of questions. So Paul received the letter with a bunch of questions from the church in Corinth. And he said, let me answer your questions. And he wrote that back. And that is now what we have, the Corinthian book. So you got to understand a lot of what he's saying is a direct response to a question that someone asked thousands and thousands of years ago. Do you get? Can you see how if we take that scripture and try to prescribe it rather than describe it, we can get into a hot mess? Which, that that that's like that's like Pastor Joe asking me questions specific to his situation, and I give him a specific answer to his situation, and my cousin Oscar wants to run with that information to a different context. He's a dad. He's married. He's in a different context than my cousin who is single. You get what I'm saying? And so you got to be careful when you just take scriptures and just, well, this all applies. No, it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Is it prescription or is it description? Y'all tracking with me so far? All right. So leadership. Now, it's okay to question leadership, but there is a way to question leadership as well. And the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 18. This is so funny because I I guarantee you've heard this scripture, but you've never heard it in the right context. If you've ever been in church, if, and especially if you went to the old church, because, I mean, how many of you grew up in old church? Wave your hands if you're, you grew up in the old school church. How do you remember hearing, where there are two or three gathered in my name? There I am in the midst of them. And we would always say that when no one showed up to church. We would always say that. I see more than two or three. God is here. Like, man, God is here when it's just you, Jack. Um, but, but we would always take that scripture and apply it. But did you know that that passage of scripture has nothing to do with worship? It actually has to do with how you settle disagreements with each other. And so in Matthew chapter 18, and I say that to prove the point that when you're having a conversation with someone, if you disagree with someone. And so if you say, Pastor Josh, I don't agree with what you're doing. The biblical approach says this. And I'm going to paraphrase Matthew chapter 18. I'm not going to read it all, but you should read it. It says, first, you go to that person and have a conversation. If you think something needs correction, so I'm going to pick on Pastor Joe a little more. If if I think I need to correct Joe, what I don't do is say it right here on the mic in front of all the room to hear. I I don't, like they say, put him on blast. I go to Joe first and I say, hey, Joe, I've noticed this. I think this is an area that needs correction. Now, if, if Joe says, you know, I just don't agree with you, then what we would do is we would get a couple of more people counselors because the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. So we would get counselors and then we would talk. That's when the Bible says when you get two or three people in a room where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. See, it had nothing to do with worship. It had to do with settling disagreements. And so I would get together with Joe and I'd say, okay, Joe, let's try this again. I've got Pastor Phil. i got Pastor Julio. Here's some things that I think we need to resolve, right? And then you would have a conversation right there. Now, if now, now, now again, you're gonna learn more about this in Growth Track. For those of you that get to meet me there today, but if, for example, Pastor Joe comes to me and says, "Okay, Pastor Josh, I think you're teaching some stuff. You have you have lost your marbles here at Lighthouse Church, in North County. I mean, six months in, and you're a heretic." Okay, It's just a hypothetical question. This is a hypothetical situation. Now he could talk to me one-on-one, and then he could bring together the other pastors of the church, Pastor Julio and Pastor Phil, and say, okay, Pastor Josh, we've got this issue that's going on, and, and these things need to get corrected. Now, if we can't resolve it in that meeting, I have a board of overseers. So then they would go to my overseers. One of them was here last week. How me appreciate Pastor Gary who preached last Sunday here. He did an amazing job. I had to bring one of my dudes, one of my guys. And so Pastor Gary preached. He's one of my overseers. Pastor Sam, of the lead pastor of Lighthouse Church, he's one of my overseers. Pastor Joe, he lives in Houston, Texas, but come on, we can FaceTime, all right? So, so we get Pastor Joe on the phone. And, and, and Pastor Joe can go to my overseers and say, here's the issue what's going on with Josh. We've already talked to him with the pastors, but there's still some things that need to be resolved. Those overseers, now they got some authority, okay? They're the ones that have authority over my life. So even me, even me as a leader of this church, I'm not making decisions all on my own. And so there is a way to question leadership. So this is how we think critically without being critical. You can go home and say, man, that was the worst preaching ever. Pastor Josh is crazy. I don't believe anything he said. He was up there talking about all this mess. And why are we doing a whole sermon series on you ask for it anyway? Shouldn't our messages be coming from God, not from the people? You can be critical all you want, all right? You can be critical all you want. But, but that's not how we build. That's not how we grow. And that's not a healthy way to have that conversation. So is it okay to question the church? It's okay as long as you're doing it the right way. And as long as the heart is pure, because I don't mind you having an issue with what we're doing. I do mind if you're getting bitter. I do mind if you're getting angry. I do mind if, if, if you all of a sudden turn your back on the church. And that's what happened. And that is what, unfortunately, what has happened with a lot of people. A lot of people saw something that they didn't like, so they leave the church altogether. Can I tell you, this is my next point, that the church is for you? Can I tell you that the church is for you? The same way that God is for you, we are for you. I'm not saying that we were, I'm not saying that we're gonna always get it right, but can I tell you that we're always gonna do our best? And man, if I offend you, Or if I get it wrong, just know that I'm for you and I might mess up. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you at some point I will make a mistake. I'm not talking about a big moral failure, but I might make a leadership mistake at some point. I might not talk to you the way that you needed to be talked to. Maybe I don't call you at a time that you needed to be called. I'll give you a classic example of this. Um, um, In our previous church where I was serving as executive pastor, um, there was a person at our church whose dog passed away. Now, this is going to hit everyone in a different court because for some people there that's family right there that's literally like a son or daughter all right when the dog passes like that's not really my culture the way that I was raised I mean just the way that I was raised it wasn't really like that the dog was never in the house I mean we had a pit bull okay you ain't bring no pit bull in the house all right so he was outside he was buff and he was tough and he would like chase coyotes but I mean to us it's like that ain't a son that's a pet all right but but Here's an example. I just want to give you paint a picture for you of where I got it wrong. Um, Someone's dog passed away, and I didn't empathize enough. And, oh, man, that that lady and I had a conversation because I didn't empathize enough. I just thought, well, it's just a dog. But, no, that was like her kid. And so I failed to empathize. That's what I mean. I might get it wrong sometimes. But just know that I'm for you. Just know that I have your best interests at heart. Just know that I wake up in the morning praying for you. I go to bed thinking about you. I have literally given my life to serving you all. I have done all of that for you. And my family has. And listen, it's not just me. There's a whole room full of Dream Teamers that got here at 645 in the morning. Some of y'all were sleeping and thinking about your chorizo burrito that you're going to have this morning. And they were here setting up sound system and lights and all of this stuff. And does it always go perfect? No, it doesn't always go perfect. We had, I mean, for those of you that have an ear, you could hear we were running on one speaker for half the service, but we fixed it. Give it up for our dream team who does an incredible job with sound, light, and all things. The church is for you. Well, why are you saying all that? Let me pull you another passage of scripture, Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Paul says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Paul dealt with some offended people back then people that took offense and they stopped going to church and Paul said hey 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 don't stop gathering at church don't stay home and I get that times are changing and I know you can hear a preacher 10 times better than me on your smartphone but don't neglect this right here because the truth of the matter is when you're sick in the hospital bed that t- that, t- that pastor ain't gonna come pray for you okay you need to be surrounded in community you need to be plugged into the church. And listen, I'm sorry if a church has hurt you in the past. You know, one of the things that I did to prepare for this sermon is I then did my own personal poll. And I asked people on my Instagram story. I said, you know, if someone questions the church, does that make them a mature believer or a rebellious follower? And, and then that gave me some perspective. I had to actually go back and rewrite my sermon. Because one young lady said, I've been hurt by the church so many times. I've been hurt by leadership of the church so many times that now I question the church, but it doesn't come from a place of pride. It doesn't come from a place of rebellion. It comes from a place of scars. I've been so hurt by the church. And I had to acknowledge that. I said, you know, I'm so glad that you are still a part of a church and that you are still doing this thing. That that you didn't allow someone else's mistakes to get in the way of you living out your faith daily and in community and in the context of a body of believers called the church. So don't give up on church ever. I don't care how bad it gets. Don't give up on church. If you need to move churches, move churches. Now, a lot of pastors won't say that behind the pulpit, but I'll tell you that. If you feel like you are in the wrong church, let's find you the church that you need to be at. Because you need to be at a church that fully embraces you and it allows you to serve with the gifts that God has deposited on the inside of you. I'm coming to a close now. You do. Listen, there is no perfect church. Look at your neighbor and tell them that there's no perfect church. There's no perfect church. But I got good news. There's a perfect church for you. I'll sell that to your neighbor, but there's a perfect church for you. Yeah. There's no perfect church, but there's a perfect church for you. You got to get to that church. I pray that it's here. I'm not trying to send you all packing. Believe me, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm like going to the heart and soul, sending everyone to a new church. That's not what I'm saying. That's not my point. But listen, I realize, can I make an analogy here? There are lots of buses going to heaven, all right? You can ride on this bus, but if you want to ride on another bus, cool. We'll see you when you get there because that's just the way I believe. Now, I, I, I might have been raised in a context and in a church where I literally thought like we were the only ones that were going to be there. <laughs> I believe that for many years. I was like, man, it's going to be a very small heaven. <laughs> a lot of people going to hell. Um, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> get a little older. Start asking the right questions without ever being critical. And you realize, you know what? There are a lot of buses getting to heaven. And you get a choice which bus you want to ride. But I would just encourage you. Find a bus where you believe in the vision. Find a place where you support, where you can serve, where you can, where you can be generous with, with your time and your treasure and your talents. Find that type of church. Be a part of that type of church because when you do that, listen, when you do that, you'll never be critical of the church. You'll never be critical of a place that you know is the perfect place for you. Come on, let's clap our hands all together in this house. All right, one last thing and then I'm going to come to a close. What you need to know, and I started off talking about this. I told you I would circle back to it as it is the church is God's plan. The church is God's plan. I got a type on there. Help me, Jesus. The church is God's plan. Sorry, ADD kicked in. The church is God's plan. It's not my plan. It's, it, it, the church was not something that man concocted in order to get people to behave. Not, there are some people that do not have faith in God that might say that. They might think that this is a place of behavior modification. Listen, Jesus did not die on a cross to modify your behavior. Jesus died on a cross to forgive you of your sins and to put He put then He then put His Spirit on the inside of you to allow you to be a victorious, triumphant, living in abundance Christian. How many of you believe that in this room? The church is his plan. And I say all that to tell you that there is no plan B there is no plan B. I mean, this is it, guys. This is as good as it gets, and if things aren't as good as you'd like it to be, then I want you to get on the dream team and help us make it better, right? I mean, if you think, I think we can do something better. I think we can do that better. I think this could be done better. If you are seeing it, it might be God's way of putting that burden on your heart to come and touch it and to help us make it better. Because we want to be an excellent church. We want to pursue excellence together. Thinking critically, not being critical, but knowing that this is his church. This is his plan. I want to read I want to read this passage of scripture and close with this. I'm going to read it. It's it's, it's a few scriptures, so this will count as your Bible reading for the week for those of you that haven't got it in or have no plan to start. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, because this is what Paul says. This is, let me, let me, let me break down God's plan for you. Paul says this, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has shown them all to look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save all who believe. Can I get a good amen on that? God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it is true, and it is foolish to the Greeks because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Jesus Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both the Jews and the Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of humans plans, and God's weakness is far stronger than the greatest human strength. God's plan for this lost and dying world is the church. God's plan to redeem mankind is manifested through you. Jesus has already done everything that he can do. He went to a cross. He took on our sin. Our shame was upon him and the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him but by his stripes we are healed. That's the power of the church lighthouse. God has has chosen to use you he's chosen to use you so we are it look at your neighbor and tell him you're it no one else is coming the next time he comes down it's like game over when he comes back we are God's plan there is no plans B. There is no plan B. And because this is God's plan, I want to be a part of it. How many of you want to be a part of God's plan? I said, how many of you want to be a part of God's plan? I want to be a part of it. Right there where you're at, will you lean in for a second? Just close your eyes. I want to talk to you, and then I'm going to lead you in prayer. I feel like this question really gives you a launching point to start something. Some of you haven't yet jumped on a team. Some of you haven't gone all in on church. You're kind of dabbling one foot in, one foot out, straddling both sides of the fence, doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing on Saturday, but popping in on Sunday. That's fine. We want you here. Come as you are. We believe it. We mean it. But but maybe you heard something today that that you needed to hear that's now drawing you closer to to bring your commitment to the church a little closer. Maybe you sat there week after week hearing Pastor Josh preach and think to yourself, I don't know about all this yet. I'm not sure if I'm ready to commit. My, my prayer is today. You heard something that you would say. You know what? I, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna go in. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others, or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.